say, I was reading a book last night, Stephen Hawking? Yeah. Viva ALS, is that what it was? I think it was. Um, was it? That's. I was reading about time travel last night. Okay. So, but it's not like the hooey version, it's the actual, like, science, math, is it po- yeah. would it be possible? Yeah. I'm not going to get into it, but yeah. it's a cool thing. Yeah. So we live in a three-dimensional world. So, in math, you can model more dimensions than three. Yep. So, you can run equations that are more than three dimensions. So, like, let's say, for example, you live on this surface that's yep. flat. Yep. So, you just can live here two dimensions. Yep. Boom. But if you don't know about this third dimension, yep. then you wouldn't know any different. So, your whole world is here, yep. and you can't see yep. the third dimension here. Right. So, they're talking about the ability to travel through time. If we could somehow access the fourth dimension. So fourth dimension is time. It is, but it isn't. Could be. It, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not space. That's the problem. Time God. isn't the same as space. So it's the fourth dimension. But if you're talking just spatially, it's not oh. a dimension. But anyways, that I'm aware of, maybe if someone better at math than me wants to clarify that, it doesn't seem like time is the same as it is space. Yep. But anyhow, um, so if you could get into the fourth dimension, which they have models for, they're thinking that might be a way to travel through space-time. They were talking about how you can... Mo- what book is this? Um, Brief Answers to the Big Questions Okay. by Stephen Hawking. It's been sitting oh, on my Oh, it's show. his book. Okay. Yeah, his book. I, yeah. I thought you were going a different direction. No, no. Him. Okay. No, no. It's his book. Um, it's smart it's been, guy book. It's been sitting on my shelf for a while. I'm, I got a new uh, conditioning book that I'm going to start getting into, but that one's been bugging me that it's been sitting there for a while. Yeah. So it's a pretty quick read, but it's like, if you don't know Matt, like I don't recommend it. Cause if you don't know, yeah, I get lost. It's at stuff. the, it's at the edge of my grasp and I did a whole major in math. So, well, it's so funny. Remember we've had some long talks about, uh, you were talking about black holes. Yeah. And the, that's the best, another chapter, the best, by the way, the best mm-hmm. that you can understand them. Mm-hmm. Cause you don't totally understand. Right. right. Okay. So I'm like, how, how the heck could there be so much gravity? So much gravity that something just disappears. Yeah. So remember, I told you I was burning some wood in the back, and I threw some um, some paper in the fire, and then it was like it basically disappeared. Where to go? Where to go? And that's uh, that's where I was like, I thought of you right there. I'm like, that's a, like a black hole, but it's not. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> but anyways, it's, it's uh, yeah, I don't, I, I don't get that stuff. Yeah. They, did, they did another. He does does another chapter talking about black holes. So cool. So cool. amazing stuff we don't know. But you know, I always go back to this because people have a, lot, a hard time with math. And people have a hard time with science concepts and concepts that you can can be explained simply mm-hmm. to me. That makes me feel like we fully understand them. Yeah. When you get to like the edges of math where like only the theoretical physicists can yeah. talk about it. I feel like they don't really know everything. Like they don't have a good enough grasp of themselves. You think they're still guessing a little bit? Yeah. Because you should be able to explain it simply if you understand it. I guess. I, I think. It's too complicated to me. I know. So when they get it took you, me like it racked my brains out I to know. figure out what our actual light year is. Yeah, crazy, eh? Crazy. But it makes sense. It does make sense. But not at all. Depends who you talk to about yeah. it, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's um, very interesting though. Yeah, it is. I'm very interested in Obviously it. it's interesting if like somewhat interesting to it, I, I couldn't imagine someone not being somewhat interested in it. It's all the teacher, man. Yeah. Whoever the teacher is, they can either sell you on it to make you like it, or they can mm-hmm. make you feel like I don't care. You know, you're talking about last week selling the copiers, how you just don't mm-hmm. care. And your boss did a poor job getting you to take an interest. And maybe you never would have, but the teacher can help yeah. a lot, you know? So, oh yeah. Um, uh, I was, I got, I got one thing I wanted to talk about to start, unless you 
Mine's kind. Of, mine's good. We'll get it'll get us. It'll get the juices flowing unless you okay. think you have a better one. Do you have something or no? I, I just got a couple things. Okay, you go first. Uh, well, no, just one thing. I just wanted to say I have. We have a. I'm not going to say the name, but we have a, a listener, a client actually, a member, who um, is a big part of a company called Blue Star Nutraceuticals, and uh, sent us a bunch of stuff, and uh, love it. I absolutely love it. Real good, man. I like the greens a lot. Tastes good, and I actually feel some energy with it okay. and a couple of other things I have. So I wanted to just say thanks uh, a lot for that. Sweet. Thank you very much for that. Yeah. It's awesome. It's a really good product. And uh, send me a t-shirt. I'll wear it on the podcast. <laughs> I really, I know, but I really like it. And you know me yeah. and you, you were kind of the same. Um, not a big fan of uh, just hyping something up for no reason. Yeah. Really good stuff. Really good. So I enjoyed that. And then um, that's, that's it. Um. So I had a conversation last night with one of our guys. Yeah. And one of our guys <clears throat> that meaning, comes to train workout yeah. guys. Young kid. He's 13. So he goes he's telling me that for school he has to do a project like a biography project on somebody and he was he picked David Goggins as the guy to do yeah. the project on, which sure. is cool. Yeah. So people that don't know David Goggins, he's a former Navy SEAL and he's known for being pretty much the hardcore of the hardcore in terms of his lifestyle training style, like super, if you want to say stereotypical macho guy to that, but it's not, but that's kind of what you would think if you listen to him talk the first time, very motivational, inspirational, whatever. So he was basically his story is he was kind of a loser and his whole life story is him pulling himself out of that and just constantly battling his, his own mental demons to, um, achieve some, some pretty impressive um, or get some pretty impressive accolades through the Navy SEALs. And then he does uh, endurance racing and stuff like that now. Anyways, so we were talking about that a little bit. And then the kid was saying he's trying to start. He set a goal for himself where he wants to try to get up to go for a run every morning. So he says, so I said, I, I set my alarm at 530 and I'm going to get up and I'm going to go for the run. And I said, oh, yeah. And I've, he didn't say how long he's been trying to do it. But he goes, yeah. So a lot of times my alarm will go off. It's 530. He's like, I'll get up and then I'll go pee or whatever. And then I just end up back in my bed going to sleep. <laughs> right. Of course. And very common. Very common. So but he said, which which th I was I was impressed that he pointed it out. He's like, but I got up, though. He's like, I got he's like, I got out of my bed. And I love that. That was great. I was like, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's baby steps. It's not, doesn't have to be, you know, you turn your David Goggins tomorrow where you're doing all this crazy shit. So we we're talking a little bit about goal setting. And I think it's really important for, especially for kids, because you come across a lot of motivational stuff on the internet and from people that you like to follow or these, these people that are adults that are seem to be super hardcore and have all these great habits. And there's a couple of things that I want to point out about that. The first is a lot of times they actually don't. They're just doing a sales job. They don't actually do the things they say, but we'll put that aside for now and assume the people that you're following actually do the things that they're saying. They didn't do it in one night. So especially for kids, you, you try to, and I remember doing this myself, you try to do everything right off the hop. So if you have a really bad habit like one kid I was commenting with the other night was uh, saying he's on his phone before he goes to bed. 
Yeah. <laughs> so if you have if you have a really bad habit of going on your phone yeah. before you go to bed. I love his answer too. Yeah, I know. But if you have that habit, it doesn't mean like tomorrow you have to put your phone in a box and not look at it for two hours before you go to sleep. And that's kind of what I was saying to the kid is it's great that you have this goal. You want to get up at 530 to go for a run. That's cool. But maybe there's a smarter way to do this. And a lot of people get really raw, raw about it. Just like, no, just get up, just do it. Just that kind of yeah. Jocko willing. Is and, that your best option? But is that your best option? And so I was, I was kind of explaining to him, well, considering the fact that you guys already don't get enough sleep as at your age, you don't necessarily want to cut sleep. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is, why not, let's set that at a time where you're more likely to actually do the, the task. So I said, instead of get up at 5.30 and go for a run, why don't you say, I'm going to do it right when I get home from school? Because now you're already awake. And instead of sitting on the couch for half an hour, eating Doritos and watching whatever TV show you like, maybe you go run for 20 minutes when, as soon as you get home from school. That's a lot more doable. Or at your lunch at school. Yeah, lunch at school, whatever. That's a real good productive piece of your yeah, time. A time where a time where you're already awake. So you don't have to fight so many things at the same time, you know, like, cause just getting up at five 30, which like I said, it was, it was nice to hear. Like I got up, I did the five 30 thing. I got up. Cool. But now you're fighting, get up. You're fighting the resistance of going to run. You're fighting the resistance of, of completing the run. So you're just stacking a lot of things against you with the goal that you're setting. So it's great that you're trying to set a goal. Number one, but maybe there's a smarter way to do that. And I just, that was the kind of message I wanted to start with for today is that is you don't have to do everything right away. If you just do baby step things, and this is a kid that I'm going to have on a meal plan as well. And for kids that have never seen a meal plan before, it's overwhelming, man. There's way, there's, it's a whole bunch of information. And especially being the way that I am, there's, I put a lot of detail into it. And I tell them like, I told the kid last night, treat the meal plan as this is David Goggins. Like you want to be here one day? You don't have to be here tomorrow and just start doing the things that you will do and try to set it, set yourself up to win instead of setting yourself up with such a difficult thing right off the hop that it's hard to make a habit. So I wanted to start off with that because I think it's important for kids as they start to, if they listen to our podcast or other sources of motivation or inspiration and it's like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to start this whole new routine. I'm going to completely change my day. I'm going to completely change my morning and I'm going to do all these things. It's like, how about you start with one thing? and try to do it at a time where you feel like you will actually do it, you know? So I kind of yeah. want to push that out first. Yeah, it's huge. It's, it's, um, it's very common, right? We yeah. look at that in every field, mm -hmm. every field, every domain, whatever it is. Um, it's the long hanging fruit. It's taking one thing at a time and, and doing that well. And then, you know, if, if that, if like, it's just like, kind of like working out, like, People that get into fitness or they say they want to get into fitness, right? It's the old thing about January 1st, people buy memberships, they go eight times in two weeks and then they, it goes down to two and then one and then they don't go there for the next nine months or eight months. And it's because it's too much too soon, you know? So that's what like, we always say that to someone, uh, you know, and a lot of people say to me, well, I, you work out every day, you know, I, I went for a walk. I'm like, good. It's real good, man. And there's, there's somewhat surprise. I go, no, it's real good. You're doing something. And if you really like walking, maybe, maybe one day you're going to go from telephone pole to telephone pole and you're going to jog one to the next. And then maybe you'll do something else. But it's like minimizing something big or something small, whatever, however you look at that, minimizing it is, is, uh, is not really the answer. You're doing something. And, and uh, you know, you can't 
you can't push a parked car. You got it in neutral, you can do something with it. So by starting something, and, and then maybe you find a little bit of passion for it, and then all of a sudden you're doing a little bit more than you ever thought you would, or you're doing it more, more importantly, you're doing it consistently. And then all of a sudden, a lot of things go well. Just maybe feel better, you start looking at your diet. But when you start trying to do everything at once, then you know, you're three days in, and you're thinking you're doing great. And then the Thursday, let's say, comes and you're just like, your mind goes, I want brownies and everything else. And then you just cave right in. And then you do the, you, then your mind, you feel shame, right? Two, two minutes in the box and feel shame. And then, because a lot of people aren't strong enough to say, okay, it was just a blip or realize where they fell, fell short. It's like, you, that's what's going to happen. If you go all in, your body wants what it used to have. Right. So it's, it's, uh, it's a big crash, but you didn't fail. So, um, so like, and I'm not going to go into the podcast yet, but it's like what we've been doing in our, in our series the last little bit. We give a lot of, okay, to be a better winger, be a better center, be a better D we give like eight, 10, 12 different pointers. Well, don't do all 10. Exactly. Cause then you're, you're, exactly. you're, you're going to be lost, dude. You're going to be absolutely lost, but take the one or two things that you know you can do or know you can focus on. And do that well for three, four, five games and add something to it or add something else into your practice. So you, it'll, then, then it'll be like just like working out. Progressively, you st- get smarter, you get better, and you'll see bigger improvements. But, you know, you w- eat an elephant one bite at a time. Yeah, yeah. Right? I know it's funny. I, I, but, well, but I like what you said there. The people minimize things that seem small, but they're not small. And and there's a – I don't know how to, how to explain this. There's a – kind of like a that's it attitude when people start doing something. For example, okay, your workout today. So if I, let's say I'm your trainer and you've never worked out ever. I say, okay, first thing you're going to do, you're going to do you're gonna 10 pushups, 10 sit-ups, 10 squats, and you're going to go walk for 20 minutes. A lot of people have the attitude of like, that's it. Like, that's all I'm going to do. Like I'm, you're, I'm paying you to be my trainer. And like, I'm expecting to be in a puddle after. And the sustainability thing is just people don't think of that. If you, if I make you so sore that you hate your life for the next 10 days, or if you're someone who really doesn't like to do weightlifting, but there's two exercises that you really like to do, then just do those too. Just do the things that you like, make it, make it something that you want to do. But people, a lot of times they'll do, it'll be something small. Like even with the kids that start working out here, especially the boys, they're eager. They're very eager to put the weight on the bar to do more reps, to do more work, to be more tired, to go faster. And a lot of that's not necessarily their fault because I find in hockey, particularly coaching is very like everything's hard, everything faster. And it's, there's not the equal and opposite. Yeah. But you need to go slow and figure out how to do this first. And when I do that, I can feel the resistance from the kids that start like, this is all I'm doing. I'm only doing five reps. I'm only doing, and it's like, yeah, but this is the foundation so that it becomes a sustainable practice. If I bring you in and bury you, not only could you get hurt, but you might not like it now. I might turn it off, turn you off to it, you know? Yeah, well, then there's, that's that start again. Okay, I'm going to do it. You get motivated. And yeah. It's like life is not a movie and life is not social media. Yeah, exactly. It's man. not, man. It's not a movie, So when dude. you watch Rocky, life isn't Rocky. Yeah. It's not Rocky, you know? Um, so when people go in to start something, like – our job as well, when, when someone goes to train with you, let's say, or on the ice, I don't start them with the hardest, most complicated uh, stick handling drill combined mm-hmm. with a 
uh, a crossover shot, <laughs> right? Yeah. That's not what we start with. We start with basics. Yeah. And we do it so that they like me and I like them. And we can see where we're at. And that's what you're doing with fitness. And you want to be able to come back. So um, you won't like it and you will probably quit. No one, no, I shouldn't say nobody. A small breed of people like to be in a puddle after they're working out. Mm-hmm. Like to be, a, to actually work out as hard as uh, an NHL hockey player actually works out. That takes time and it takes a, a, a tolerance to get to that level. Mm-hmm. where you might be out of breath and still keep going because maybe you understand it. Yeah, and, and maybe just something for, for the parents because I think exercise and, and we'll call it exercise is starting to be in the last like 20 years has started to become a much more mainstream thing. But really, really, it was Arnold Schwarzenegger doing pumping iron that turned turned strength training into a thing. Like everyone has always thought, yeah, cardio is good for you whatever, but it's, it's a pretty new thing to have that integrated into your lifestyle between strength training and the cardio, both parts, right? There's a lot of resistance with parents about changing their routines and it's because they're adults. And a lot of it is ego too, where people, they know that they should be doing something different that they're not doing. But my point of, for the parents is that you will get 80% of the benefit of exercise lifestyle changes by just doing basic things. It's not by being elite. It's not by being in the best shape ever compared to anyone you know. It's not being a performance at, that's not what it is. If you just do basic things that honestly aren't that difficult outside of creating the new habit, like it's not you're going to, you have to throw up or you're so tired that you're sore for five days or that you're pushing the heaviest possible weight all the time. That That's the extra 20%. But the first 80 is just like lifting some weights three times a week at a moderate intensity that you can completely handle and isn't crazy or doing zone two cardio, which is you're, you can still basically hold the conversation yeah. while you're moving. Yeah. And those things are people minimize that people minimize that that's hard. Right. And that's like the walking point you made earlier, right? It's like you go for a walk and you walk with some pace and you're a little out of breath. That's great. That's so good for you. And, and then I find, especially with parents, they'll get into the, like, that's it attitude. Like they need, well, shouldn't I be doing more? Shouldn't I be doing, it's like, you could do more, but if you won't do more, then no, don't do it because you're not going to do it. So stick to things that are like we say all the time, the low hanging fruit stuff, you know, you do things that you will actually do. And it doesn't have to be a lot. If you lift weights, if you have three hours a week to do stuff, do an hour where you lift some weights and then do a session of zone two stuff. And then you can do a session of some interval stuff if you feel like it. And you can break those up through the week. It could take you 20 minutes each workout. It could take you half an hour. It could take you an hour. And not only does that go a long way for you and just your lifestyle and your health for in terms of longevity and um, health span, but also just for your kids to see as an example, right? Just for your kids to see as an example, you're actually doing something you're you have a good lifestyle you have a good routine and it's a good example to set for for your kids and, and all that yeah kids are watching yeah so you don't have to jump into like a crazy just do the thing you'll actually do is my point do something that you'll actually do or that you enjoy and with all the fads that you're pointing out whichever thing you like yeah like that's it's not wrong that's the only thing about fads that's good is it it it'll get some people into it that otherwise wouldn't have been and and if you find something that works for you then that's great stick to it do the thing you'll actually do and don't like just check the ego, man. You don't need to have this. That's not enough, or I should be doing more, or whatever. Just do the thing that you'll actually do. 
Well, and then for people that are my age and around my age, I mean, I'm being honest, like if, if someone was to start at 45 or 50 around my age, it's like the results are not like extreme results. Like, like you have to work really hard no, diet and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. you know, like even for my mindset, like I have goals when it comes to that area of my life, it's like, well, the discipline that would to go into something like that. Yeah. You have to be, that's a little much. That's a little much. So yeah. it's like, you know, at 54, it's like, like to be a, like to look like I'm still slapped together. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to be able to function in life. Like when I go on the ice, that's important to me that I can still move quite a bit. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Anyway. So I, I just want to touch on that with goal setting thing. Cause I think it's important, especially for the young guys too, whether yeah. you're the adults or the, you're the young kids, you're an adult and you're new to the fitness thing. Those are some good tips. And if you're a kid trying to get new practice habits or eating habits or whatever, it's just like baby steps, man. It doesn't yeah. have to be everything all at once. So anyways, thought that'd be a good, cool thing to start with. Uh, so just quick for the, for the people online, uh, memberships are live. If you guys want to join on that, um, the store, I'm going to open it next week to everybody. So you'll have a few more days. If you're a member to shoot me a message, like on the, on the website or through the contact page that you have there. Um, and you guys, I got some discounts and stuff for you guys to get an advanced order on that. So that's going to be pretty sweet. And it actually does ship everywhere with, uh, you know, obviously some exceptions over the ocean, but for, I think most of Europe, it'll work. Australia works, us works. So wherever you guys are listening from, it should be able to get to you if you make orders and then, uh, like, and share the podcast. Instagram stories really help too. Actually, that's a new thing. So if you share some of the clips on Instagram, that's actually been a big driver, which is cool. Uh, and I think the Apple podcast thing has been sorted out. So everything should be good there. Obviously this episode, again, we're going to do our last, um, position for centerman. Um, there's video that obviously makes things easier to understand when you can see it on Spotify. They stream the video on Apple podcast. I'm trying to figure out why they don't, or they haven't been. Uh, and then on YouTube, obviously you can see the video as well for the visual. So if you guys want to go there check that out, do that. Um, cause you'll have a better idea of what we're talking about. Cause we use the board. So with that, uh, do you have anything else you'd like to say before we start on centerman? No, just, you know, what we've been meeting so many nice people out there, like just out in the arenas and people seeing us. And I just, I appreciate every time you guys say hi. Mm. It's uh, some just wonderful people. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Very cool. Yeah, it's awesome. Very cool. Okay. Uh, so let's do this. Let's yeah. talk centerman. Yeah. Well, it's, it's a uh, funny thing is it's a sexy job if you're really good at it. Right. <laughs> it's a great job. So like before I go into what benefits or how, how I can, how I can be a better center iceman. Uh, just a longer version of saying centerman. Yeah, center center iceman. I like when people say that. It sounds like center you're Iceman. so smart. Uh, <laughs> it seems like the position to be. Yeah. Yeah. You got your a lot of stars play center. And, you know, I saw something, I don't know, where they do a diagram of players and they say, center, who's your centerman? Is your best player? It's like a joke thing. Your yeah. tallest player is on D, blah, 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 blah. But your best player is a centerman. It's like kind of true. Kind of mm-hmm. true. But what they look at when they say that, it's about the most skilled guy, right? Yeah. So, um, and typically when kids start playing hockey, that seems to be the position of choice. Like I want to be the centerman to take the faceoffs, be the star. Why do they choose center? Well, because you're probably around the puck more and they see the goal scoring and, uh, the offensive side of the game, right? Being a centerman though is very, it's a very responsible, like when you take it seriously, okay. But to be a good centerman, uh, uh the, the actual job of a centerman is a very responsible, um, position where you've got to be very very good in all three zones and 
if you're intelligent, that really helps as well, because you, you got to think the game a lot. And to be a very good uh, elite um, centerman, your skill level, your skating, like you, 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 you should be the total package of, of a hockey player. And that's not to say that a defenseman is not as good as a centerman uh, or a winger is it can't be uh, the total package either. But it's like for a centerman, you've got to be able to put everything together, and um, and you really have to take your defensive responsibilities to heart if you want to be a good centerman and and here's a funny thing okay success leaves clues what i mean by that is because i know there's going to be some people that say oh yeah well because when i talk about your d zone and playing away from the puck what about Connor mcdavid what about those and again i wanted to talk about that like those are the extreme guys so i'm going to say something to you if you are that guy that you are so good that you don't have to come back to your own zone or be that good of a defensive player as i'm going to show you you will know by the time you're seven or eight years old because there'll be articles written about you. You'll stick out like a sore thumb. You're going to just be that good. And I, those those guys don't happen very often. So I would say success leaves clues. And if you can listen to this, most you'll hear a lot of people talking when they at NHL levels that they have to be better in their D zone to be a center, better better mm-hmm. at D. The other thing is. Um, a lot of times in junior, a kid will come out through, or junior in college, a kid will come through and play minor hockey the whole time at center. But then when they get to junior or college, they're moved to the wing. Well, why is that? Right? Mm-hmm. And and typically, the responsibility, the weight that is put on your shoulders to do the job at high levels, I'm not talking Adam and Peewee, at high levels, there's a much greater responsibility to be... Um, they're just more on your shoulders. You got to be more defensively. You got to have some offensive gifts, face-offs, and all that kind of stuff. Figure out the game. So that's the success leaves clues. So what I mean by that is, if you listen to, you know, everyone wants everyone wants to play in the NHL, college, whatever, right? So if you want to get there, if the message to the guys going in or the guys that are were stars at one time are going into the NHL or colleges and juniors, and they're saying and you're seeing those guys get put to the wing or you see those guys not making the NHL right away or not getting the ice because they haven't tightened up their D zone or their play away from the puck, success leaves clues. If you want a success, you have you should figure that out right now. So that that is that is something that should be in your head saying, I have to be better defensively and away from the puck. Yeah. And then obviously your offense, if you're a gifted offensive player, you can do what you need to do. Yeah. I, th- I want to just uh, hammer that again because we said it last week and I think the week before is don't use exceptions as your rule. Yeah. So show me, like, fine, show me the video that Connor McDavid didn't back check hard or that whatever guy you want to pick wasn't great in his D zone. First of all, that's one shift. That's so whatever. But even if it's a consistent habit, yeah. it's like you want to give yourself the best chance of making it at the position. So it's just better for you to be good at D zone and being yeah. better away from the puck. Even if you are McDavid, even if you are that good. Well, look, at how, better, his, right? look how his career has changed. And now it could be that he's hitting his peak of his peak, mm-hmm. but he's also much better coming back to his own. And you just saw one back checking the other day where he is in the right position or he came back hard, stole a puck and went back up the ice. Yeah. You showed me that clip. I said, that's awesome. Yeah, of course. And, and, um, that's a hundred percent. Yeah. So Tighten just, up, he's a better player. So just keep, I'm going to keep anytime that comes up, I'm going to keep hammering that. Don't use exceptions as the rule, man. Yeah. 
because maybe you're the exception. It's possible, but it's more likely that you're not the exception. So you want to make sure you have all this other stuff in a line to give yourself the best chance, right? Yeah. So, so just to, just to sum, sum that up a little bit, it's uh, a centerman aside from the glory when you start off, you're, you're actually an offensive threat, but you, you should be not should be, you are also the third D in your zone. Yeah. Like you have to be working hard in your own, your own zone. You're like a defenseman. So, you know, when I grew up, no one told me that I was a centerman. No one told me that, but that's what your job is. I mean, I kind of did it cause I was a hard back checker and stuff, but like, I didn't understand that I had to be like a defenseman in my own zone and a, a offensive threat in the other zone. Um, you should be good in your own zone. Uh, you should kind of be a good skater or you should, should be a great skater. You should be a great, uh, great passer because you're distributing the pucks. Um, that's a, that's a very good quality that like a Joe Thornton, mm-hmm. you know, distributing pucks real well to other guys, setting up plays, having that playmaker mind, having that brain, uh, seeing the plays evolve. And uh, you want to make sure that you get back to your own zone to help. So that's, that's what you want to be as a, as a centerman. So, yeah, anyways, you want anything to add to that? Yeah, the only thing I'm going to add is along the lines of the skating thing, because the that's probably the position that does the most skating because you're deep in your D zone, deep in the O zone, both sides of the ice. So you have the most distance to cover and you have the most work to do on all sides of the puck. So just one thing to keep in mind is that it's a it's a very high level of conditioning at the elite levels that is required to be able to manage that amount of skating. So the center, the reason why I wanted to do a separate, we didn't just do a forwards episode is because center, there's particular things about playing that position that are different and worth talking about. So make sure don't, with the qualities you pointed out, the thing I would add to that is just, it's, it's a lot of skating, man. So at the end of the day, you could be really good at all the things you're talking about. If you're tired, you won't be good at any of them anymore. So you need to make sure you have enough gas in the tank to handle the level of skating. Otherwise your brain's going to shut off just because you're too tired. So even if you have the skill to do the job, if you don't have the tank to last the whole shift or to last the amount of time is that's necessary to do the job, then you're not going to be any good at it. So that's the only thing yeah. I'll add on top of that. Well, th- I was going to mention Chris um, later, but I'm going to mention it now. So, cause you said conditioning. So my good friend, Chris Draper, who did a podcast with us and I've done a lot of work with Chris. Um, and remember I, I asked him, I said, what, what, what he was, a, he was a gifted offensive player. So this is like a really close to home example for me because we sat down closer than you are. You and I were, we had a conversation about, you know, we're ha- we're eating some raw like some sushi, yes, raw tuna and uh, avocado. He said, "Try this stuff; it's good." So we're eating that stuff. Had a steak and stuff, and we're just talking. And I asked him that question about what what made you the the grind line, the defensive specialist, Selkie tr- Trophy winner. And he said it was very simple: World Juniors. He realized he was given the task to shut down. I think it was Jaeger and someone else, and he realized not realized for the first time, like it was an epiphany or anything, but he realized like I get on the ice, there's stars on this team. I get on the ice. My job's to shut them down. Right. So he took that like, okay, maybe this is a thing, a real thing. His conditioning is off the charts. Like to to this day, (laughs) he does like a lot of uh, kettlebell workouts and stuff. And he's still, he looks, he looks, uh, he looks great, man. He looks like he's in great shape. So his conditioning was off the charts and his defensive responsibility um, at, on the grind line with the played on the Olympic team, three Stanley Cups, and he's in the Detroit organization still. 
it's allowed him to have a career that's went would have went way beyond what he would have if he just would have been an average guy trying to score goals and maybe up and down in the minors. Give him, I think, a 16, I'm guessing, 16-year career, something like that, and lots of money. So this, that's why it's so close to home for me. Not why, but it's one of the reasons, like, I could have, I remember that conversation, we're sitting in Detroit, we're just talking, and it was like, yeah, this is like life in front of your face. Who wants to argue with this? Well, Because right? people will. And, and this just goes he, to, yeah, go sorry, ahead. go. No, no, you go, you go. Well, I was just going to say, it goes to the point we talked about before, is like, it's not just the superstars, man. Like, the, the league is not just superstars, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's actually a majority not superstars. Yeah. So there's a lot of jobs to be had being good at something else that's not just scoring goals. And for him, good, yeah. good for him identifying that, saying, wow, instead of having to score 40, and if I don't, I'm out of the league. That's right. Instead, I can just try to make someone yeah. else not score 40. Yeah. And that's a lot easier to do than yeah. being the guy that has to put 40 up yeah. or whatever, right? So yeah. it's back yeah. to that point. Yeah, so what I, want to, what I want to start out with a sentiment is like, okay, so playing without the puck. Okay, I want to just start with that, uh, with that theme. And, and what I would say is like in all zones, you have to be able to support the puck, support loose pucks, uh, being able to do a checking role. All right. So be, be, uh, uh, be, and if you are supporting pucks, you're an easy pass option at all times. And then you're always in a defensive zone or a defensive, mostly in a defensive position, uh, offensively neutral zone and defensively. And, um, and then, then understand that if you're good defensively in good positions, then it'll, your, your offense will create from that. Yeah, so. good, good, good defense leads to good offense. You've said that before. Yeah. And then the other thing, again, that you just said was um, you get yourself – was it in passing lanes? Is that what you said? You, yourself, you put yourself in good pa- positions to receive passes? Well, you're get, you put yourself in good positions to, to uh, defend, and then you're, you're typically you're, you're, you put yourself in a better p- passing position because you're probably 10 feet – it's easier to make a 10-foot pass. By supporting the puck. By supporting the puck than try to stretch a pass yeah. out 40 to 60 feet. So, so this – taking off out of the zone takes a little bit of patience. Yeah, so this, the puck support thing is important because – we talked about this a little bit with, with defensemen in the last episode, how you want to close the gaps that you need to move the puck. And as a centerman, if you're in a good supporting position, it should seem like you're always right there if someone needs to dump a puck off to you. you know. So you're, Especially because you, as a centerman, a lot of times have the freedom to go wherever you want. D-zone particularly, but offensive zone, you're normally starting in the middle of the ice. So you're the closest option either side. So you should always try to position yourself where... Someone can dump a puck in an area for you or get the puck to you in a sh- over a short distance where they're not isolated by themselves. So that's what that means, that supporting the puck thing. I think that's really important as a centerman yeah. too, for sure. It's really, it's really important. It's, it's critical. And mm-hmm. I, I want to show um, different areas where in transitions and passing where uh, the puck support is critical. But I just want to see, what do you, do you want to go with... Like your D zone first, or do you want me just? Yeah, we normally go the last two. We've done D zone, neutral zone, O zone. So okay. you want to stick with that. Okay. So you so want to start from the face off, or do, do you want to just talk well, about D zone coverage first? Yeah, or what do you yeah. Think? Face. Let's just. I was going to end with face offs, but that's fine. You you mentioned the game starts with the face off. Pretty much every time a centerman's on the ice, not every time, but yeah, plenty of times he's on face offs. So you want to start D zone face off? Or just uh, no, I just I just want to show face offs in general because sure, same sure. shit, different pile. Yeah, sure. Okay. In a, in a face off, um, obviously as a centerman, that's a really good thing to do. Not yet. 
uh, it's a really good thing to learn is how to win a face-off. So, I mean, that's like me saying goalie should just stop the puck. I mean, that's not even the smartest thing to say, but it's also not the dumbest. <laughs> right? Um, if you're taking face-offs, the objective is to win unless the objective is to lose on purpose, from direction from the coach. So, in every face-off, you're trying to win. If you don't win, what's the next step you want to do if you don't win? You try not to lose. So there's a difference, right? Winning, the, winning it clean is winning. Winning not to lose is a 50-50 battle. And that's, a, that's, a, that's almost a win if you, if you do things right. Okay? Um, and going back to, to, going back to what I said about Chris Draper, is like he just realized that if I'm really good on face-offs, I get to go on the ice. And, and again, success leaves clues. When games are important, we talked about this on one of our podcasts, how the Leafs had to put spets out for certain sides because they didn't have someone to win face-offs at that side of the ice. Success leaves clues. If you want to have more ice, win lots of face-offs. When the game comes down to, uh, you know, important times of the game, D-zone, offensive zone, or whatever, if I can rely on you to not lose 90% or 80% of your face-offs, um, then that gives us a chance to actually execute something. Yeah. Right? I'm going to throw a couple on that. 100%. So the face-off, I'm going to go back to, we had a conversation with a guy, I mentioned this a couple of months ago now, that plays junior, and we were talking, and he was fighting for ice, like in and out of the lineup. Yeah, yeah. And <clears throat> so the one day, the coach of that ju- that junior team actually called me and was saying, man, these guys are brutal on face-offs. Like, we can't win a face-off. So we worked with them at the end of one of their skill sessions. I, I took the centerman, and I worked with them for – a little bit. And before that, I talked to them about it and just said, people, especially at the younger ages, until you play pro, because even in junior, I remember, like some of the older guys a little bit cared a little bit more, but most guys don't really care about face-offs. They don't think about how important that is to start with the puck. And just by going into a face-off and caring to win is like 50% of the fight. Then you can get into strategies about how to win and how to read guys and whatever. But just by giving a shit about winning the faceoff, a lot of times you'll win the faceoff just because other guys aren't ready to battle. Because you're laser focused. Yeah, you yeah. know, so you get yourself nice and low so that you're strong and then you battle and then you can start to read. If a guy keeps beating you, what is he doing to beat me? You can start asking questions to defend the way that they're winning the faceoff. Anyways, it's all the game within the game stuff. But we were talk- So after the session, I talked to this kid and he was saying to me, because I was asking him how things were going and he's like, yeah, I, I, I'm realizing that I won't take the role of our top players away from them. Like they are going to be our top players. And it, it ended up working out perfect that I started talking to him about face-offs. I was like, man, you don't have to be them. You don't have to outcompete them. Be good at the things they're not good at. Because then when those situations happen in the game, they have to go to you because you're the best at it. So that was face-offs. That was shot blocks. That was good back checks. That was being defensively responsible. But in the context of face-offs, his next game, he was like 65, 70% on face-offs. And the coach is like, oh, yeah, he did way better on face-offs. And he has taken pride in those little things. I don't know if he's missed any games since then. I don't think he has. But not only has that happened, now he's starting to get offense. He's been, he's been scoring. He had, a, he had a hat trick one of the games. He's been, and he's been not 100% consistently points, but way more than he was. And that started by him taking pride in his defensive play as a centerman, beginning with face-offs. So now there's a D zone draw on the right side. He has to go because he's the best one. Or there's a penalty kill. We need to win our faceoffs, especially on a penalty kill. He's going out. So you're earning extra ice time because you're good at little things, you know? So that was that was a really good story that exactly speaks to what you're talking to. It seems like obvious, be good on faceoffs, win faceoffs, but 
people don't think about it. They don't think about, hey, take pride in this part of the game because it, it actually will matter later. And when you're young playing youth hockey, it doesn't yeah. seem like it yeah. matters, but it actually yeah. does. Well, it's like I say, the soft skills of, you know, taking, being able to catch bad passes. It's like, well, yeah, you, exactly. you, 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 people don't think that's a thing, but it's a thing because most of your passes are not going to be right on the tape perfect for you to shoot. They're going to be in your feet a little bit away from you. So it's like, it's the obvious, right? You work on things that actually happen, not the perfect situations. So like, so again, earning, what, what happens if you win face-off, you earn the coach's trust. And now some people will say, because I know how people react, so they use that those extremes. But I would say that any coach that is paying any attention at all sees a player that wins his face-offs over and over. You earn that trust at the youngest levels, because at at some point in a in a, a tournament, uh, a playoff series, a game that you want to win, the last minute of a play, a defensive zone thing, a goalie empty net, whatever, you need to win a face-off and. If you're that guy that can do that, there's just extra ice for you, and that's that's an important role. And and like you said, the the great comparison is what you used with the one guy that you were working with, uh, and I know who I, I remember this is. It's another form of confidence. I can do this, and when you do something well, it's it 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 helps you get to the the next level or something else goes well. So that's uh you know it's it's one bite of the elephant. But if, if, you, if you take that bite and you do it well, then you're probably going to have other chances and situations. Uh, and, and by default, it just might be you win a draw, it's an assist or whatever, right? That's yeah, the snowball, man. So, yeah. yeah. And then, and so, so work on face-offs. Um, spend time working on face-offs. Like, you, like there's different rules now. Like, uh, like you, we, I used to, we used to be able to be very physical on face-offs like hammering guys and taking sticks away and stuff. Now you have to go straight for the puck. So work those quick hands, getting low, getting in that squat, and working backhand, forehand, forward, side, lateral. You have and, to go and, straight for the puck? Like you can't, yeah. can you still do like the dig your ass into the guy? and like? Well, yeah, but you have to go puck first. Really? You can't, yeah, you, you can't, can't just go straight through the guy. No, and you can't, you really? can't, and you can't, uh, unless I'm wrong. I, I, I know, know this, I'm positive of this. Yeah, okay. um, sometimes I have dreams, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I'm positive of this. Because no one just takes sticks anymore, right? right. Like, like, like I was, I was actually kind of very good at blocking and getting under sticks. Now you have to go straight puck. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And then cool. uh, because now it's a slashing penalty. Yeah. And 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 uh, but anyway, work on those. Work on the quick hands and work on scooping that puck like hundreds and hundreds, and you, you get really good at it. Work on the speed of it and stuff. But after your face off, then the, the next thing that you do is you always assume that you're going to lose. No, don't assume you're going to lose. Always act as if you might lose, mm -hmm. unless told otherwise by your coach because maybe you want the centerman to come through. Yeah. Win or lose, get your stick in the guy and make sure you got him for one, two, and make sure you sort your def defensive zone or offensive zone off out. Make sure you have possession before you let your guy go. Yeah. And then if you do that, you're in a good you're in a good position. If you lose a draw, get take your guy right off the bat. It's the easiest thing you could do. Yep. It's a habit, easiest thing to do, but sometimes it's not um sometimes it's not the easiest thing to remember yep for sure you know? so anyways Kay. that's that's that uh you want to go to d zone or sure. what do you think yeah so so first of all remember what i said about forwards and i said about d there's basically quadrants of the ice that you're going to be responsible for mostly okay so centerman has a little bit more but simplify this right because we think of d zone we think of this big area of ice and and the, and the center is kind of responsible for it all, but then again, not really. So w remember we talked about the winger, 
has this area, the dots out, right? So this half of the ice hash marks to dots or to the wall. And that's really, when you think about that, that's not, that's not that much space. But to do it effectively, you have to have number one, patience, because you can get antsy to go get a loose puck where you're out of position. And then it also takes hard work because it's the 10 foot, 20 foot skating. Stops and starts and it's hard. If you do it really hard, then you're effective. Or we said a defenseman for the most part has from the dots down to the corners and a little bit going Cross to the other over, side. Yeah. It yeah, doesn't yeah. matter, but that's basically, so you break that down. It's just really good hard work. And again, it's not that much skating necessarily. So when you break it down like that, it seems a little bit more simpler, doesn't it? So now if I'm taking myself as a centerman, where would be, where would my quadrant be? And I don't know if it's a quadrant. It might be a fifthrant. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just say, then we got, let me just go back now. And then we, when we're defending, what did we say from a defenseman, from a forward? And of course, the centerman is a forward. What are we always trying to protect? Uh, some people call it a house, a home plate, whatever. So let's just call it that. Maybe a little bit higher out. I don't even know where the frick it is. But let's say it's in this area to the posts, right? Maybe a little higher out. Um, that is what you have to protect. So if you're protecting that... So it's a fairly small area, and then we're trying to push out. That's number one, okay? So a centerman is going to be responsible for that and out. So here we go. When we back check, we're, always, we're either taking somebody, we're coming back hard, and if we get ourselves, um, we're not sure to get ourselves to the middle ice, we're good. We're good because, like, say the puck goes down here. We're good. Now, our real true responsibility, because we know we're going to have a winger here, right? We know that if there's a, a puck down here, we're going to have most likely a D here. Now, that's not to say that you might not be the first one back. But let's just say real simple hockey here. Don't want to confuse anybody. Uh, and then you're going to have probably another D in front of the net. So you're in good, you're in good sp sp uh, space right now. Okay? So this is our quadrant here. From basically the corners to the – I'm making a mess – Basically from the corner, so it's kind of like almost like a triangle. Not a perfect triangle, more like a parallelogram or isosceles. Yeah. <laughs> right, I but this is isosceles. In around here, not to exact science, but in around, this is what you need to take care of. As I said earlier, you're like a third D. So if we can understand that this area here is hard work area, and you're going to get out here every now and then, but this is the responsibility. Now think about it, you got to... If the puck's on this side, let me clean it up. If the puck is on this side, this is the puck, we know that based on what we talked about before, we're going to have the winger here to cut off all this area. We're probably going to have a D here. So we can see we're already plugging that up. We don't have to run around necessarily. Okay? So that's, if the and real simple, if the puck goes to this side, you're hard on this side. This is what you're responsible for. In a nutshell. So, let's just say in a defensive structure, you got even this guy, maybe he's a little bit out of position even, the winger, okay? Let's just say simply a defenseman is on a forward here and there's a puck battle, okay? So if there's nothing going on, let's say, you're in a position to be on the defensive side of a puck, so you're looking at where their F2 would be. So let's say he's down here waiting for a pass or he's going to jump in. So basically, as a centerman, you're going from here, getting in a position here, let's say, 
This is the center iceman. I'm going to make that a little bit neater. This is the centerman. So if you can see on this board here, he's not too tight so that if there's a loose puck that goes this way, that he's on the wrong side of the puck, right? He's kind of, this is where the patience comes in. The defensive forward is looking at. He's he's getting in a position where that if that puck squirts loose, he's, he's, he can just pounce on him, right? Let's, okay, let me just tighten this up a little bit. So, so you're, you're, if we were to say a quadrant or whatever, it's that triangle hat thing that you're talking about. So as a centerman, that you're, that's basically your area. Obviously, none of the quadrants we're pointing out are the set in stone electric fence that you can't cross, but that's your base. So as a centerman, when you say you want to be on the defensive side of the puck now, that means you're staying between not only the puck and the net, because the puck is with two other guys, one of yours, one of theirs, but between their free guy and your net also. So the D side of the puck, normally people are talking about between the puck and your net, but you also have to consider where that free guy is. So if their free guy on, that you have on the board there, if he starts to sneak behind you a little bit, then you need to make an adjustment where you're still between him and the net so that he can't make a quick play if the puck happens to drop to him or whatever. So that's your that's your position to start. So now if that guy goes to engage in that battle, that's when you're going to go in to also engage right. with that battle. Right. You're not going before he goes. Right. So so the rule of thumb is like if there's if you don't like it just be like you don't t jump or take off out of your zone, out of your zone until you have possession. Right? Or else you're cheating the game. A lot of things can happen. So it's the same thing here. I, and a coach can tell you differently, but this is the basics, right? Is if it's a one-on-one -on -one battle here, you want to be close enough to the battle so that if there's a loose puck, that's that 10 foot, 15 foot rule, right? That you can pounce on a loose puck and go or, or get it up to your winger. But it's also close enough that if it's law, it's a loss battle, you can defend. Does that make sense? So, yeah. So so now if this guy is up here. Yeah, I was just going to say, if that other yeah. guy is floating so let's around, say now what? F2 is here, they're forward, F2, right? We're still, we're not we're not going to play him up here. This The winger's got this, right? We know that the winger, and I don't want my winger to come down here, right? I, I, that's why I want you to be patient here. You just take care of your quadrant. I'll take the defensive side, so I'm not here. Because if I lose that, like if I'm on the inside of him near close to the wall, if that puck squirts loose, he's at the net. Yeah, I might have a D here, but that's not a good position to be in. Right, so we want to be on the defensive side. So if the guy's up here, we want to be on the defensive side, close enough so that we can get get a loose battle, and far enough or enough in the inside so that if he jumps, we can take him. Okay, so it, it's, it's that simple. It's that simple. There'll be a D here. Now, if there happens to be a hard rim or something like that, or the puck transitions, right? What will happen? Well, be this is I'm just keeping it real ABC here. Here's your sentiment. All that happens is this guy goes and gets a puck, right? This guy's probably going to the front of the net, should be. And sentiment's going hard to your defensive position on this side. Yep. It's that simple. Yes. So well, just one thing maybe to talk about. How do you feel about the like sentiment going behind the net versus in front of the net? I know some There's, people get particular about that, but what do you think about yeah. the, that situation? If I was to if I was to choose, I'd say cut in front of the net. Yeah. Yeah. It, because now you can get in a game of chase. You know, you'd rather protect the house. This is not the house anymore. Right. Right. Yeah, always go through the house instead yeah. of around it. Yeah. Yep. And there's times where, yes, if you've got them here, 
and you're you're the first guy and you're on him and he's skating you don't go like this yeah, yeah. let There's him stop right and so you're, yeah. you're sealing him off the best you can yep. so so that makes sense now Perfect. now this is where a centerman has to have a brain like everybody has to have a brain but like for example um because you got to be the most responsible one. So let's say the puck goes down to this corner and there's there's play in this area, right? There's two, three guys, or let's say two couple guys, and this winger just sees a loose puck, sort of, kind of, and he goes down and gets caught, right? And this is where a lot of breakdowns happen. You have to be smart enough to just take his spot, right, and be defensively sound, and that's just what you call a switch. And then there's other times where now – and just to be really clear, there's many times in your own zone, you might be the first guy on the puck. It's just like in the offensive zone. You're not always F1, F2, F3 because, right, you, if you're the first one back, then you are actually like a D. So that's what you're doing, and then you make a switch after. Does yeah, that make sense? For sure. I, so just one thing I want to mention is just because a lot of this stuff, it's it's easy on paper, right, when it's a nice situation. But the problems happen when the edge cases occur. So it's like if the – the puck starts rolling up the wall and the winger comes down when maybe he shouldn't have, or maybe he made a read. Maybe he should have, maybe he could get the puck and, and make a play to get it out. That's where breakdowns happen in situations like that. Or like if the puck's behind the net and the D don't know which D should go. So like the, the edge cases on the borders of those quadrants, that's where things can break down when it's easy, exactly where everyone needs to be. It's easy. So as the centerman, a lot of times because you have the freedom to go wherever you want and you can see everything because in an ideal situation, you're more the supporting guy, not the primary guy that's battling, whether it's in the corner or whatever. Like you said, there's exceptions where you'll be first, but generally speaking, because you can see the ice or you should be able to see the ice, you have to be the one that's taking control of whatever side of the ice you're on. So if the winger's in a wall battle and you're the, the next guy, you should be surveying the land to see like what's going on around if the D's stuck in a battle in the corner, you're looking around to see what's going on. And then you have to be the one that's making the decision to either cover a guy or not or communicating yeah. with your guys or whatever. Yeah, you're almost you know? a quarterback. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, on, so. on the D zone. So so what I wanted to point out now is that um, the the beautiful thing is, is that let's say there is this battle in this area and you have your good patience and you're, 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 you're covering properly right in that second layer and you've got the defensive side of the puck. What happens now is if there's a loose puck that comes out, you're there. You're on the defensive side. It's it's a or or let's say your D does get a pass or does come out with it, you're an easy outlet to him, a couple feet. Or if the D like this a loose puck and it goes D to D, you're low enough to come across to be a nice outlet pass. Right? The the what you don't want to be is you think uh, whatever. There's the, the say the battle's going on in this area, right? And you're like up here, and you you think there's a there's a a loose puck, and you start taking off. That's al- almost impossible to make. There's a high risk, so you're going to get a lot more pucks. So so this goes to the thing what I was saying last week when we did the forwards. It's like the the kid was saying like, how do I? Just seems like I I can't get around the puck enough. And what happens is is that is like people get impatient to start creeping out and they get away from where they're supposed to be to get the easy battles or to easy outlet pass. Nothing fancy, right? So having the patience to stay in the right spot and battle at the right time and to be on the defensive side of the puck and so that when those loose pucks come, away you can go. Yeah, maybe okay? do you want to... Are you good with D-zone coverage? Because maybe we could take that to transition into a little bit about breakouts. Like I want you, I want you to talk about um, 
guys getting in, not in good passing lanes, which yeah. you mentioned that's before. That's actually my next Is that step. your next thing? Yeah. Okay. So, so that's your D zone, more or less. All right? So you're the quarterback. That's what you want to be really good at. And, like, exactly what you said is you don't want to necessarily – like the th- or the the stuff that happens um, during a game that you, you're gonna have a switch, a guy goes behind the net, a D goes, like the, the mistakes that are made or uh, drop passes, different things that could happen. That's experience. Yeah. You're gonna learn as you go. But if you do the basics, you're gonna be in fairly good shape, yep. right? And then here's the bottom line: with all players, like I don't give a rip who you are. If there's a shit show, cluster, whatever going on, and you're just going, what the hell do I do? We'll go back to your house, baby. Go back to the house. Yeah. Right? Instead of running around like crazy, just here we go. Here, 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 here. Five of diamonds. If you just don't know what to do, always just come back to here and then push out. Yep. It's better than going out here and trying to chase back to the net. For sure. Okay? Yeah, that's great. So breakouts, but this is going to be the same for... All transitions. Yep. It's because it's like it's you, you can break this down until the cows come home, right? I don't know. So let's just say you're coming back to your zone and there's a transition or a breakout, right? Mm-hmm. By being low enough, uh, let's say a D's coming this way, you come low enough, it's a short area pass. Yep. Okay. If it's a set breakout, or right, you, I hope everybody knows what I mean. The set breakout, or let's say for people that don't understand terms, your team has total possession and they're 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 setting up yeah, or everyone's in their spot. Everybody's kind of in their spot yeah. and there's time, right? So let's say there's uh, a D picking up a puck and he's looking and you see everyone kind of that's the wrong way. There's a D, right? And there's a winger, winger, and we're gonna break out. So now the centerman, what you want to do is support support the puck. Okay. If he's if he's wheeling, let's say or if he's making a D to D pass, whatever. What most people tend to do, little kids and people that get impatient, and this is actually something that you have to learn. So if the D's cutting like this, like he should, what a lot of centermen will do is they'll come in like this. They cut a short angle and too high. Okay. So what happens is, what what happens is, if it, common sense is your ass is to the puck. So it's really hard to get that pass. And number two, your distance is a little bit far away from the, you know, it it just could be a lot easier. So what you always, mostly, I'm not going to say always, what you want to read is when you're breaking. So let's say we're coming out this side. What you want to do is, as you're coming back, is take a different angle. You don't want to come straight on when you have possession. What you want to do is you want to take an angle. So what this angle does is it gets you deeper in your zone. So I like to say... Basically, come through your crease if you can or as close as, close as you can on a good angle so that when this guy comes out, like let's say it went D to D, okay, and you're coming out, you're at a nice low angle. So, like, you can come across and you're, you can, you're given a good target the whole time, right, without your ass to the play, and he can see that option a little bit better. And then if, if it's not a great option, you're in a good position to kick out wide so when he comes up the ice, you're still a nice little pass option. So what what happens too many times is that D just simply go or forwards just simply go on on bad angles, right? And they end up up the ice and they can't figure out why why isn't he not passing me the puck? Well, one of the reasons he might not be passing the puck is because you know in innocence the uh, the, the D we're talking little kids here right now. Kids go well, I can't because I can't see your stick. 
I can't see your eyes. It's like I see your your ass and your heels and your elbows. I don't see anything that I can pass to. And it's and the other thing is it's a very difficult pass to make a pass with a guy moving off the ice from behind or like on a, on a bad angle. This is a really hard pass. The second thing is, is a good chance you got to look back and you might get killed, right? But it's just a really tough pass to make. And when you're when you stretch yourself away from your D too much, there's a lot of bad things that could happen in, in that distance. Right. So that's what that 10, 15 foot, five, 10, 15 foot passes. It's really important to kind of support. That's what I'm talking about support when you don't have the puck. So playing without the puck, right? This D has the puck. And it's like, as a centerman, you can make his life a lot easier by being a good support because you give him more options and more time to make, to make that pass. Whereas if you go up the ice like this, you, you, he only has a split second to make a pass. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. A couple more. Th- I just want to point out a couple things on that too. If you do that, that low and slow kind of thing where you're in that good passing lane, not only do you make everyone else's job easier, you also make your own job easier. Cause when you, when you get that puck, you'll have some speed, first of all, that's, that's exactly and you're, right. you're giving yourself more time to make the next decision. So if you catch the pass by, you know, low circle or by the low hash mark in the circle as opposed to the top of the circle you're giving yourself an extra fit whatever it is 15 feet 20 feet before someone's going to be right in your face because that's it's hard for their guys if it's a clean breakout like that it's hard for their guys to get that low to get on you right so and if they do like you said you already have speed and now you can kick out wide and just keep building speed and now that that defenseman will hit you in stride when you're already up ice so there's a lot of benefits uh, for that, that way, aside from just you might get killed and you're making everyone else's job easier, you're making yeah. your own life easier too, you know. Yes. And sorry, one other no, thing no, I yes, want to pass fine. out. That's fine. Or uh, one other thing I want to point out is the you're talking about about the passing, and it's people forget that passing takes two people, and you're really good at teaching this. The it's not just the passer; it's the guy receiving the pass. You have to be a go- a good option for that guy to get a clean pass to you. So if you're the guy that's like, oh, my D never passed to me, well, maybe it's you. Yeah, maybe, maybe it's like, you. Maybe it's maybe them, it's you. but maybe it's you. Maybe you're not in a good spot. Maybe you're too far away. Maybe you're not showing stick. Maybe you're not giving a good target. Maybe you're standing still. There's a whole bunch of things as the receiver of the pass that could make me not want to pass to you. So you need to evaluate that as well. It's not just the passer's fault. So I just want to touch on those those two things that you pointed out there. Yeah, so I want to, and I'm glad you mentioned speed under the puck because that's what actually my next phase was going to be more neutral zone. So like that was that was your defensive zone. So now if we say there's a D to D pass like at the at the neutral zone or in your own zone D to D, let's say, okay. So this guy's got the puck. Uh, it's the same thing, right? So what happens is I, I have to go over this with centermen quite often. Is they like to go like this. They like to go like this. Whoops, that's an arrow the wrong way. He went in both directions at the same time, <laughs> right? So remember, back to the plate, and then so if that puck goes like this. And you've done this curl. By the time you get that, if you're skating, you're going to be, that's a hard pass to make. So what we want to do is make sure that we get, make the pass options easy. So if I, if I'm, and and you can screw this up. So let's say D's got the puck and you're coming back and you know, it's going to go D to D or you don't. You're, you're quarterbacking this anyway. So what I want to do is instead of making a button hook like this or curling early like this, when he gets here, that's not. Right. You're kind of too far. Yeah. You're cutting too far. So what you want to do is have the patience. So this guy's got the puck. The right D has the puck. And what you want to do is you want to angle it so that you're deep. 
and you're almost underneath. So if this guy fires it across, you're underneath the puck. Now that's what we call speed under the puck. But look at the look at how long this guy has to make the like how many options he has. Like as soon as you're coming across, it's that puck. If you're down here, he can lay a flat one for you, and then and you're in a crossover now, so you can have some like exceptional speed. speed right yeah. off the hop, right? But more importantly, when that comes across, you've got options to right. Your, your stick is in the lane. And you can get that pass at any point except for when you for the like split second if you choose to go wide. But then you can make that a, another option. So there's only like one very, very small period that you may not be a good pass option. Yeah, sorry, let me tighten that up just a bit. Sure. Because what you're saying there is you're going to be a pass option for a long period of time. Yes. Because you're you're consistently in a good spot as opposed to you do that button hook. They might be able to get it to you. Let's say for, the button hook here. Yeah, maybe it, when you're at the bottom of that hook, that's the only point when they can get it to you. Whereas if you do that good angle and you're facing them, that could be that could be two sec, two full seconds where could you're be. facing the guy, it and that, that's two seconds that that defenseman yeah. could pass to you. Yeah. So except for if the we go like this. Yeah, except for the split second where you are crossing paths in front of him, you're available that entire time. So again, it goes back to what we just said about the breakout. It's like not only are you making that D's job easier, you're making your own life easier because now you're you're picking it up low, you're picking it up with speed, you're picking it up with space, and you have many points along which you can get it in that same position where you have good speed, good space, and, and options going right. forward. Yeah. So now if it goes and, if, and so the same thing, maybe the puck's not going to you, but you are creating yourself as a pass option. Okay. So let's say it goes here and you have a good angle here, right? Your pass option, pass option. But let's just say. There's a winger here. Let's even say he's stretched right out, right out, the, right, right close to the blue line. Mm -hmm. And this D says, "Oh my God, I can get, I can get this puck up to my winger." Okay, you don't cry because you're actually in a really good position now because now you have speed. So now this winger has an option, is seeing you with speed to either lay it down, right, and you can get it. Maybe he carries it and you got good, right? Maybe he carries it and you yep. got good speed going for a, for a net drive, or or you're looking at what a mess here, right? Or that winger, or or as you're coming up the ice, uh, he cuts and you're wide, or you're coming in kind of together and he can lay one in for you. But it just creates more that chip dump yeah, in, yeah. Or chip, yeah, like if he all, chips it yeah. in, you've got speed to all go help him. Stuff. So it's like yeah. your 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 offensive play actually started down here, yeah, from your regroup. Yeah. Whereas. So this is why I want people to understand this. Centermen, forwards, at D, everybody understand this. Whereas if you try to play the offensive game and you're, you're a little bit lazier coming back or you're in a hurry to get up back up the ice, if, if, it, if it's uh, whatever transition, it goes D to D or whatever, the D has it and you do one of these, well, there's a lot of mistakes that can happen. And if there's a turnover, now you're back checking. Right, and mm -hmm. the chances of you getting that pass from this area with the with let's say the O's or the defenders, right, whatever, however you want to put them. If you do this now, this guy's got to beat one or two guys to get that puck to you if that's the option you want. So if you're skating around going, I never get the puck, just tighten up, getting lower and supporting. And I know it's counterintuitive because we're taught as young ages, get the head man the puck, get the, move the puck forward, and it's and it's true. But 
it doesn't mean it have to be three zones. I, I'll t I, honestly, 10, 5, 10, 15 foot passes will beat long passes every day. For sure. And, and, and even if you get that pass after you do the button hook, you, there's offsides. So you have to slow down anyways. So if you, do, if you curl too early, even if they can get you that puck, now you're catching it either looking back or slowing down as opposed to gaining speed or in full stride or whatever. If you just take that the little bit longer route where you put yourself in a good, good position. And if you watch, watch NHL games, even junior games, there's very, very few long passes. Very few. It's it's unless they're doing a stretch to a winger, yeah, like you pointed out. Yeah, there's a like, lot of stretch passes yeah, as you go and right? chip it in, right? So but what that means is that this D might be coming up the ice, and you'll see wingers like this. And even though there's a D here and a D here, and there's another like a, a forward here, it's just sometimes and very often that just that stretch pass where they just chip it yeah. in, so they have pressure going to get yeah, the puck. Count, That's different. Count the passes, man. When you watch yeah, a game, yeah, like time. the amount of yeah. stretch to short passes, yeah. like the ratio yeah. is going to be off the charts in favor of but, the short ones. But again, and this is what I was going to say too, is that which let's just say use that example. So a D stretches a pass out to a winger, and this is like typically higher level guys. So I'm, if I'm confusing anybody, say that never happens in our games. It's just that we're talking high level hockey. You got the D here. If this D makes that stretch pass, if you're the centerman that goes, that's high with like playing high in the zone like this, and this stretch pass doesn't work, and it's it's blocked by maybe the D steps in and knocks it up. Well, now you either have to do a big figure skate or you do this. And if you're a really smart player, you're going to be able to stop and come back. But the problem is, is he's already yeah, gone. Chasing, yeah. So if, yeah. So if you, so this is what we're talking about. You'll just be around the puck more. So if this D was to make this stretch pass and the centerman was like down low like this, and if there's any mistakes that happen, well, then now it's like, say this guy steps it up. Well, now it's like, it's an yeah. angling drill. You're already that's all, that's all yeah. it is, an angling drill. Right? So like you're in a better position. So that's what we're saying. Good defense makes good offense. Yeah. So it's not Great, it's not necessarily sexy, but it's it's critical. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. Do you want to do uh, you want to do a D side of the neutral zone, or do you want to go to O zone? Um, real quick on the D zone or on the neutral zone. Sure. Um, we talked about neutral zone before. Um, yeah, it's the same kind of the same as with the wingers, but maybe if you want to it's reiterate, the, it's the same thing. It is. It really is the same thing. It's just you're the quarterback now. It's going to depend on your system, but it's the same thing. Like. Um, if if you're if if you're the centerman and it, let's say it goes D to D and you come straight at him, then you're given an option to go either way. Yep. Um, what you want what you want to do if you're the first guy in is again just like your breakout, take away the center of the ice, stick in the lane. Who's got the puck? This guy. Sure. <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make sure people saw that. Yeah. You're the centerman. Gets flipped over. D's got the puck here. If you go straight at him, no good. Too many options. Yep. So if you can cut the middle of the ice off, get your stick in the lane and start steering him. And it's okay to get under him a little bit and force him because if yep. you don't, he might can't keep moving back. So get under him a little bit and have him moving this way so that you can force and you have other guys here. Yeah. It's pretty much it. It's the same. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's push the same. guys to the outside. So inside out, you yeah. mentioned the last one. Yeah. And and just to reiterate too cuz we talked about now that we're getting get to the offensive zone, uh the positions dissolve as forwards, right? So now that we're once you're outside your D zone, outside the breakouts and outside the regroups, but even on regroups like a lot of times it can be a winger. Yeah, it's interchangeable, yep. but now it's it's like 
we're, it's forwards. It's not as much centermen here, yeah. right? So yeah. um, you want to go to the Ozone now to finish yeah. it or what? Ozone's real simple. Yeah. Like, okay, so the one thing I would say from a skill standpoint is if you do, if you are a centerman, you do have a puck and you're coming off the ice, is try to stay inside those dots the best you can because you can make plays going both ways. Does that make sense? All right. So that's number one. And then, you know, I don't like to say too much offensively because sometimes you just need to play to learn that. And some guys are gifted and some guys aren't. But having said that, if you see guys that are open, even though you might be a star guy, um, a lot of times that's just a good play to make. Move the puck up instead of having guys standing still and learn how to distribute the puck. And then offensive zone is actually, it's very simple. It's it's take the D zone and reverse it. Yeah. <laughs> right? They really. Yeah. So a centerman... And now again, what Eric said is 100% right. If you're the third guy, right, if there's a F1, you're a winger, and it happens to be another winger down here, well, because you're the centerman doesn't mean that you go, right? So now your defensive responsibility based on the systems, right? I don't need that line anymore. <laughs> based on the systems is learning. Um, so if there's an F1 and an F2 battling for a puck down here, um, you just want to make yourself a good pass option or a defensive responsible player. So stay, staying in the, in the slot area is not, if a puck comes loose, you're not necessarily in the best spot. So what you want to do is depending on what your coach says and what system it is, you do want to be on the strong side. So the strong side just simply means cheating towards the side where the puck is on. And a little bit higher, unless, and this is, I'm not saying I'm right or uh, there's just some different systems. Some people want three and that's fine. But if you have no idea, if you don't have a clue, if you're acluistic, as I said before, you want to be a little bit higher so that if a puck squirts out, you are able to flush that out on the side. And then obviously, no matter what, the centerman probably, if you're the high guy and the puck switches over, this guy needs to bust his ass, centerman or whoever needs to come and be the support guy. And this guy and, and this guy would come out on the strong side this way. And it's really it's really that simple on the offensive zone. And then one of the things I was just gonna say, like offensive play. Um, and I don't know if I said it with the with what I was saying. I'm just gonna switch ends because it's my right hand here. Um I don't think I said this enough, or I, I don't know if I said it when I was just talking about uh, wingers, is a lot of times when you play, you know, we try to make plays from here, carry the puck up the wall, try to make passes in this area, and it's all good. It's fine. But one of the things that is a real safe zone, and, and, and more than safe, it's a confusing place to play, is getting the pucks behind the net, getting behind the net play. Because what happens there, like if, if, if you don't really have a play, let's just say I have a puck and I don't have a play and I'm going and I go nice and hard behind the net. All right. So what happens now is you got a defenseman, a defenseman here. You have someone chasing you here and maybe possibly even a forward, but what happens, uh, or the centerman, what happens here is that if this guy can bite, this guy can go, like it just causes confusion. So by taking it to the net, you kind of, people lose their, assignments a lot and you'll see a lot of plays get screwed up defensively from going behind the net so i would say and i mean obviously wayne gretzky was the master at it then he took it to a whole different level but you'll see a lot of behind the net play and it's like a major confusion for especially for kids so if you can learn how to be good at making plays behind the net or coming and and, and then and then 
um, like a tight turn and then coming back and then having a guy go down so you can cycle behind the net that you create a ton of confusion. Yeah. So, so that's just something else that I would like to just say in general. Yeah. And to go back to when we were talking about the defensive side, that's why that makes sense, right? Because we talked about the quadrant of the ice for the D and the D's quadrant ends behind the net. That's where the switch happens, right? So you get to that, you're getting towards the edges. That's where things get tricky. And, and another, another play that, is maybe equally confusing is when guys bring the puck up the wall and try to cut it through the middle at the hash mark because the D doesn't know, do I stay with you or are you the wingers now? So That's if very you, make, true. you make, use that knowledge of defensive zone play, if you're, especially if you're playing against a team that understands D zone, because they're going to try to stick to their position. Obviously they don't want to get running around. If you make plays around those edge areas, the edge area being behind the net where the D might have to switch or by the hash marks where the, D and the and the winger have to switch. Those are the Where confusing areas, right? As soon because they don't know. Do we switch? Do I stay? Do you go? And if they don't have good communication, or it's easy to get confused around those edges, right? So that that totally makes sense. So I I, I mean we could beat like we t- take all these positions, we could beat beat them to death. But what in this situation, that situation? But all I want to do is like again, it's we're not we're not coaching, we're not trying to give instruction to the uh, the world junior team here, right? We're, we're, I'm trying to make this like so a coach can look at this and say, okay, like that quadrant thing seems to make sense. So now, as a coach, you can kind of think around that and say, okay, like I can use that as a good framework, right? As a, a parent looking at uh, at their kid playing, is if they can kind of just make sense of that, so that when when a kid, a winger, when a when a dad maybe yelling, why don't you just you're not getting the puck? Well, that's not that's not necessarily my quadrant. Like if you can maybe understand that little bit of framework, maybe you can relax a little bit and just watch the game, right? Uh, because a lot of a lot of things go wrong if you don't play your position properly. And then for the player, it's like okay, so if I can just understand, okay, my offensive zone or defensive zone, if I can just get to my house, that's what house home plate. What do people? Call, I don't ever called it that when I was a kid, um, but it was it's it's good. But if I can get to that area when I don't know what I'm doing. And then push everything out. Okay, that makes sense to me. So this is what this was all about. From a centerman, it's like, okay, understanding supporting the puck. Understanding patience in your zone. Like sometimes you don't go. Sometimes you have to wait and just make sure someone else isn't going to get a puck or you're in a good position to get a 5, 10-foot pass. That's that's important stuff. And then, you know, the D from the last series that we did is understanding dots out. I mean, I, I think that's a good framework for kids and parents and, and, and youth coaches. And uh, some of them are smarter than me when it comes to X's and O's. Like, I'm not even joking. Some guys are really, really good at it. But sometimes it's also breaking it down so kids can understand it. And um, so I, I hope this helps. And the bottom line is it's it's actually the framework for at every level. It's the base. Yeah, that's the base. It's the base. Everything the base, comes man. from there. So um, I, I hope that that little series we did of three was good. I hope it wasn't uh, too basic. Uh, when I went and watched the first two, I said, "Yeah, that's that's. I think that really works for uh, for the yeah, average man. kid foundation. growing up, and it's a good foundation." Teaching the boys how so, to deadlift. That's what we're doing. Right yeah, now, yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Foundation. Yeah. yeah. So, so, um, um, so I, I hope it helped. I hope it helped a lot. And, um, and you know, we're gonna get away from the X's and O's the next uh, few, and we're gonna get into some meaty stuff, hopefully. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, that was good. So that's a wrap on the uh, the little mini series. I'm going to end with a quote that you picked today. You picked this quote. So this is from Luke. How do you say it? Would am, it I be... allow, am I allowed to? Am I allowed to like explain it in any way, or no. do you want to just end it? No, you can't explain it. 
Okay, okay let me let, let me pre-explain. Okay, keep it quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Go yeah. ahead. Yeah. So the bottom line is Eric and I do a lot of talking, right? We're like, that's one of the things I like about Eric is that uh, I like to have, <laughs> I like to have intelligent conversations. I really do. Um, and I like to be able to think that I can contribute to them and I like to learn from people and stuff like that. So Eric and I can talk and my good friends, we can talk about anything and we can get very deep about stuff. So today we were just more or less talking about um, the changes that, I've seen that I've made in my life. Like I want the world to be not the world. That's not what I mean. I've, I've been trying to be, uh, actually trying to be a kind person, more kind, more tolerant, more pay, more patient, less judgy. Not that I was bad before, but I've been just been more aware of it. So we're having that long conversation about that. And it's just better. Like if someone asks, there's a right winger on, let's say that on, on Guelph, there's a right winger that's better than my son. And if someone comes up to me and says, Hey, hey, that guy's that guy's a really good player. Eh? It's like as a hockey dad, as a as a as a good person, it should be yes, he's a good player. And what I find in this hockey world, and kind of like in life in general, if it's not mine, then I don't I don't want to be nice. So a lot of people say, yeah, but yeah, he's okay. So I've been really aware of, and I was using that as just an example. So I've been really trying to like when people are negative um, or or critical or whatever i've just been trying to be nice and nicer and kinder and more tolerable and and understand and more humble i guess is another word too so we were talking this morning and we were just saying about quotes because we're talking about different things and um but on the one topic and i just said you know like i feel like why this came up is i feel like a lot of people want the responsibility right and i want to be the sentiment i want this i want that i want to play in the nhl i want i want i want but it's like you want, but like, what are you going to do? Or what, what do you actually know what that means? So hence the quote. Yeah. Yeah. So I believe you would say it. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. I, uh, just to qualify now, I'm not it's, a Bible. No, 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 it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> no, but this here's, but I've here's, read it. I've read that but, several okay, times. But just pause, pause. Now you're, you're going to get me going here. Okay. So pause. Whether or not you are religious, because I'm not religious. In right, any way. Right. And neither are you. You probably no, even no. less than me. Right. But you're allowed to acknowledge things as being a good source well, of Well, this is our deep conversation yes. today. Exactly. So, so what whatever you think about the Bible, I don't particularly <laughs> care. It doesn't matter. The fact is there's there's good shit in the Bible, man. So it's fine. So the quotes from the Bible, and that's fine. If you don't like it, shut shut the podcast off then, man. Exactly. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> right? It means nothing so, except it's a good quote. Yeah. So here we go. It's also written in Shakespearean, so bear with me. And to whomsoever much is given, of him shall much be required. And to whom they commit much, of him they ask the more. Yeah. So. Too much stick, is given, much is expected. Yeah, stick that in the pipe and smoke it for the rest <laughs> uh, for the rest of your day if you heard that. So we'll see you guys next week. Hey.